Web 2.0 Innovation Trend Collaboration Software Metadata Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 259 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsor. And that means we'd like to thank ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted, pre-screened process servers, work with the most professional process servers who have experience in high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit ServeNow.com to learn more. And we want to mention that the second edition of our book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, is available on Amazon. Everyone agrees that collaboration is essential in today's world, but now, more than ever, Knowing the right tools will make all the difference. You know, Tom, I feel like I say this every with every episode lately. You but do. What a difference another week or two makes. In our last episode, we share ways to make smart decisions about technology spendings in, in tough times. In this episode, as we all shelter in place, we went to look at technology's role in wellness. And as usual, not from the usual perspective. So Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be discussing how technology can help us with health, fitness, and all-around wellness. In our second segment, we're going to share our thoughts on finding lighting solutions for our video conference calls. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, technology and wellness. Um, as we go into what for many of us is, I would guess, the sixth week of staying at home, we've seen a lot of people starting to talk about depression, loneliness, just all around bad feelings about not being out and about, not being around people, being cooped up at home either by yourself or with people that you've <laughs> grown tense around because you've been around them so much. Um, we've also started to see a ton of articles, a ton of webinars, a ton of tweets with advice on how to take care of yourself while sheltering in place. So we thought we'd tackle the same topic and put our usual tech spin on it. Dennis, what we aren't doing in this episode is talking about disconnecting from technology. Please reassure me that we are not talking about disconnecting from technology. Well, I, I, I will definitely reassure you on that because I, I find it really the whole idea of uh, the tech disconnect talk just really off-putting to me. Uh, a lot of people are really prescriptive about it, telling you what it is that you have to do. And, and often people are talking about using technology in a way that's truly foreign to me, that they do things that I just wouldn't. And I see why the technology, uh, why they think they need to step away, because they're just not, they just don't have very good control of, of using their tech their technology or, or, you know, dealing with settings and using the right tools for, for what you're doing. So that disconnect thing always seemed, uh, it seems like people want you to be either all on or all off and it's all or nothing, which, which I don't like. I like to, to kind of travel in that, that middle path. So I, the way I think about it is if I'm walking in nature, it might be, you might say, oh, I should leave the, the smartphone at home and, and be out there. But I, I still think it's cool to be out there and have an app that allows me to identify flowers and trees. So you can combine both things in, in good ways. How about you? Yeah, no, I, 
I think it's unrealistic to tell people to completely back off from technology. I will say there are probably those who become so addicted to technology that taking a break from it might make some level of sense for the purpose of that addiction. But, you know, what's interesting is these days um, I've seen parents go from putting limits on screen time for kids to, you know, all screen time because they have nothing else for their kids to do. So we, we're kind of in a different world now. And I think that it, it, it really should be that we we are looking to find the best from technology and the way that technology can can help us through issues rather than trying to get away from technology or find ways to not use it. So this is really about using technology to get better, to feel better about ourselves, to feel better physically, mentally, all around. Yeah, and I think it is a great time to explore both what we have and what we are doing and what make might make more sense. We can all learn from each other. I mean, we're all learning, doing video conferences and, and all the other things that we're, we're doing now. And that's, in a lot of ways, a, a major theme of, of time, what you and I wrote in our book on collaboration tools. It's, it's not just the technology. It's what we do uh, to build communities and connect to each other. So in this episode, we really wanted to share the technologies that we actually use or might use in connection with with our own health, fitness, and wellness. And to me, that means the the place we absolutely have to start is with Tom and his uh, Peloton bike. <laughs> well, we'll start with it. Yes, I'm I'm using the Peloton bike now, and I love it. I've loved it ever since I bought it, what, two and a half years ago. I've had it for that long. I really enjoy it. If you're interested in, in being friends on Peloton so we can, you know, ride together, challenge each other, please reach out to me. I'll give you my screen name and, uh, and we can, we can uh, be friends on Peloton. I will say, I, I, I would guess at this point in time, Peloton is not shipping bikes, so I'm not arguing that you go get a Peloton bike, but what I will recommend that you do is, is that if you're looking for a different way of keeping fit, the Peloton app, which is available on iOS and Android, and I believe that there are versions that you can put onto your smart TV as well. There are apps. I'm not sure the Roku app is out yet or not, but you can get it onto your TV. The Peloton app is now free for a 90-day trial, and so it has not only the live classes that they give, cycling, running, weights, yoga, meditation, all these sorts of things, but it also has an audio-only area that you can get from your phone. It'll take you on guided runs or guided run walks or guided walks, but it'll let you get out of the house as long as you're socially distancing, and it'll give you that, uh, that, th that good exercise without needing to watch video. So I think it's a great option. Even if you just keep it for the 90 days, the workouts there are really, are really quite good, so give that a shot. Dennis, what are you using these days? Well, uh, I also want to talk about biking and and the apps you can use. So f f when I've been cycling over the years, for many years, I use an app called Endomondo. Um, there are other ones like Strava and, and others, and they will basically map your route for you, track your distance, you know, give you some data about what it is that you're doing in each, each of your rides. Endomondo is also great for, you can use it for walking, for running, for, for different types different types of things and it's super easy to use with an app it uses gps and you get a report at the end it has a social element i personally don't use it but i know some people who do but it gives you a great way to track what it is that you're doing especially to get the 
get your mileage to to where you want. So if you're not riding on a trail where you know exactly how long things are going to be and you just ride for a while, it will give you an idea of, of how long you've ridden. So people also can do similar things, like I said, with walking and running. It's just a nice way to do things. And I think that leads us, Tom, and I think you might have even more history with these than I do, but, but I think that especially in exercise, potentially in nutrition as well, but the, the whole notion of trackers, I think, has become an important technology in how, how we address all of this. Well, I certainly used a Fitbit for a long period of time, but then I stopped. I kind of went through different ways of tracking because I, I, I moved from the Fitbit to an Android watch, which I used as a tracker. Now I don't really wear anything these days. What I've, what I've been using as my tracker, and I, and I do like it to, a, I guess, a certain extent, is Google Fit. Google Fit is an Android app that that comes on all you know versions of Android. I, I'm not sure if you have to download it or not. But um, what I like about it is that it plugs into most apps that you have. So for example, it plugs into my smart scale. So whenever I weigh myself, that weight transfers over into Google Fit and it figures into everything that's going on. My weight's always updated. It can track your heart rate. It can track your blood pressure. It can track a whole bunch of things, which I think is nice having all of that in one place. Tons of trackers out there, a step tracker as well, and it's, it kind of measures things by how many move minutes you have kind of based on what the American Heart Association recommends. So it's nice to be able to see all of it in one place. Yes, I'm sharing all of my health information with Google. I know what you're saying, but I'm, I'm okay with that. It doesn't matter really which app you use. I think find an app that either tracks all of those things because otherwise you got 10 apps to, to deal with all of that stuff or, or, or find something that, that integrates them all similar to what Google Fit does. And we may just have to deal with the fact that it's pretty obvious that we are all going to be sharing a lot more health information with Google and Apple if things develop in the way it looks like uh, with, with COVID-19. Yep. You sort of alluded to this when you said the watch, but I think that you, with trackers, you do have these specialized devices and, you know, the Fitbits and other things that do specific things. There comes a point where you probably say, I, I just don't want to have a lot of different monitors on me. And that's why I think the watches, the Apple Watch, the Google Watches and stuff where you can put apps on will do a lot for you. And so I think they're starting to become that sort of essential wellness, always on always with you device that that makes sense and, and as it can track more information you know from pulse to other you know heartbeat all these all these different things whether you're standing up sitting down all all of that that's becoming a useful uh, device and i think more efforts being put into the to the medical and and health side of those things. So I like the watch thing. And the other thing I like is alerts and reminders. So Tom, I just want to mention two that I like because sometimes in the watch is like a nice way to use these. But one that I always liked, I thought was a little weird at first, but then I grew to like it was just the reminder uh, that my Apple watch was giving me that I needed to stand each hour and I, f I found that really helpful. And then I have a, a new medication I'm taking that I have to take in the morning and in the evening. And I'm using an app 
that's a pill minder. And I know a lot of people use this with their, you know, elderly parents, things like that. But to me, when you have to take more a pill more than once a day, it's nice to get a reminder. So, you know, I, this is a nice alert that reminds me and tracks that I've taken my medication when I, when I need to. So I don't know, Tom, do you do other things with alerts and reminders? I don't really do alerts that same way. I I, I do reminders. I, I've used the, the, the pill tracker the same way that you have, but I typically do that when, like you have, when it's a new drug or when it's something that, like an antibiotic that I have to take three or four times a day, which is which I'm not used to, to taking things multiple times. And I think that having that type of reminder is a good thing. I actually would like to step back a few steps and mention some things that I didn't get to talk about because I, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about exercising apps because there are a bunch of interesting services and, and things for exercise that you can use that a bunch of different groups are making available for free during this time. So things like the Nike Training Club app, you get premium workouts free. The Planet Fitness, the Gym Planet Fitness, they're having streaming workouts live on Facebook every day. If you're a member of Barry's or if you've ever heard of Barry's with Barry's Bootcamp, they're on Instagram Live. They're doing classes live every day on Instagram. One of the things that I think is really interesting, and, and we're seeing this a lot with kind of in the entertainment area where you're able to watch movies with your friends remotely, is an app called Co-Train Space, where you can actually synchronize a YouTube video so you and your friends can work out to it at the same time. And I'm not sure I ever want to really work out with my friends at the same time to a YouTube video that feels super awkward to me, but some of you may be doing that already, you know, doing that at the gym and it's a good way to, to get a workout in with people. But I, I think it's making use of, I think we're finding this kind of co-training and synchronizing of people being able to do things when they're not together with each other, finding new ways that t is really particularly interesting to me. And this is one way that we're seeing they're taking advantage of that. Sorry, I, I, I went backwards. So let's move forwards. What's, what's up next, Dennis? Well, you made me move just a little bit uh, backwards, but I want to talk. So there's definitely yoga apps and, and videos. A lot of personal trainers are creating their own YouTube channel. So if yep. you have a personal trainer you've used in the past or you want to find one, great. My wife and I do this thing called Feldenkrais, which is similar to, to yoga. And our our old teacher, uh, not, she's not old, but uh, she used to be our teacher in St. Louis, Is uh, did an, an online version of a class. And that, that was great. We did that by video. So there are some opportunities there as as people in that the training field definitely kind of struggle with a way to, to bring in revenue. And, and this is a way to help them out, uh, help the people who've helped you out. Then I, then I guess I just wanted to touch on, Tom, um, there are a few other actual health devices that you can use in a connected kind of way. And and sometimes, sometimes connected, sometimes not. But things like the oximeters, scales, thermometers, all, all those sorts of things that, uh, you know, automated blood pressure. There are a lot of devices out there and potentially some apps that you can use. And some of those results, I would expect, already can and we'll see more of the, the, that information being uploaded to your doctor as well, uh, which is kind of a cool area. 
Yep. And, but I will say right now, good luck finding an oximeter anywhere on the internet because it's about as scarce as toilet paper and hand sanitizer. And I think that thermometers are the same because I'm finding them showing up on the tracking websites trying to find where you can get new thermometers because suddenly taking everyone's temperature is all the rage. Yeah, I'll sell you my oximeter for $5,000. So uh, it's, you have to pay for shipping. There of are now price gouging laws that are going into effect. So let's, uh, let's avoid that. So let's talk a little bit about uh, meditation and relaxation, which I think is another great area of stress reduction. What are, what are you finding in that area? So I really want to be a good meditator, and I'm not. I fall asleep when I try to meditate more often than not, which probably speaks to my lack of sleep more than anything else. But I'm, I, I want to enjoy it. I want to like it, and I try it. And the app that helps me the most, the one that I get the most pleasure out of and use out of, is Headspace. Headspace is not free for everybody. Right now, though, it's completely free for healthcare professionals. So if you know somebody who's a healthcare professional, let them know. They can get a subscription for uh, Headspace. Tons of awesome meditation classes. You can start as a beginner and work your way up. They have classes depending on a specific type of meditation you want to do. So I was like, okay, I'm stressed out. There's an eight-part series of meditations for relieving stress, which I thought was terrific. But I I, I think, and, 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 and I don't know meditation well enough to know what's good meditation and what's bad meditation. I just know that I enjoy the meditation exercises with Headspace, and so I can definitely recommend that. But I know that there are also dozens of meditation apps out there, and, and, and probably a lot of people who are leading guided meditation classes now on their YouTube channels as part of uh, not having a place to go and do meditation otherwise. They're, 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 they're offering their services for free on YouTube. Yeah, and I think we'll circle back to this at the end, but I think in meditation is one of these areas, relaxation, other exercise even, are uh, places where it's very personal to you. And so what works well for me may not work at all for you. So you kind of have to do some exploring. I like the, the as we talked about, soundscapes, which is a, a variant, I think, on the relaxation apps. I use Spotify, but, you know, obviously there are other streaming services to use. And I look for relaxation uh, and and sort of focus types of, of playlists and use those. The one thing that I'm finding that I really like lately are uh, these playlists of uh, Tibetan bowls, which, like I said, this is all going to be personal because you could listen to this and say it's the weirdest thing you ever heard. And to me, I just find it really soothing and it's hard to describe, but there's these sort of metal bowls and they're struck and they kind of reverberate and echo. And I just find it really soothing. So those are good. And uh, some of those even work for are, are geared towards sleep. And I guess we probably should talk a little bit about sleep and, and diet time. But I think I don't do a lot with that. But I know there are some monitoring tools out there in, in both categories, both sleep and diet. Well, I mean, your Apple Watches can, I think, allegedly monitor your sleep. I, I couldn't wear a watch in bed, so I don't know that I want to do that. But I think that the smart watches are, are alleged to be doing that. There's a ton of apps that are supposed to monitor your sleep. I've always sort of questioned their accuracy, you know, without getting something that's, you know, medically vetted to do that. But I, I so I don't know about those. With diet apps, 
they run the gamut. So there's apps where you can track what you eat, but then I think that the other and 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 to make sure that you're getting the right level of food. There's a a product that I actually backed on Kickstarter a while back called Lumen, which measures your metabolism. You blow air into it. It's a device where you blow, you exhale into it, and it measures your metabolism to let you know: Are you burning fat? Are you burning carbohydrates? What are you burning? based on your diet, and then it gives you recommendations on what to eat. I was fascinated by it until like about three weeks in, and it completely broke. And so I'm not sure that it was a successful Kickstarter program for them. But there's all kinds of diet uh, diet apps, like even thinking about apps that you might use to have food delivered. You're probably using you know Uber Eats or DoorDash or Postmates or Instacart to get food delivered. But also think about apps like Farm Box Direct, Farm Fresh, they'll bring you fruits and veggies, they'll bring you fresh food if they're available in your area. Definitely something to look forward to and look out for so that you're not always ordering the pizzas or the tacos or whatever unhealthy things that some of these other services might specialize in. I think there's sort of one more big category, which is probably the furthest out there. Um, so you see things, I, I think you'll see things in virtual reality, uh, you, you know, making use of the, the goggles. There's a, a relaxation sort of brain stimulation headband thing called Muse, definitely biofeedback, which goes back many years. And then other sensor approaches where people want to get more data on, say, their workout and stuff. So you you can kind of get more granular data, say, on as you whiff, uh, lift weights, you know, like where, you know, how efficiently you're working and things like that. So there's some things that are really kind of pushing pushing the edge in what technology can do. And some of it comes, obviously, from the professional or Olympic athletes and, and their training that's kind of filtering out into the rest of the world. But um, there could be some interesting things there that could be both fun and helpful. I don't Tom, do you have anything that's sort of out out there cutting edge? So I don't have anything that's out there, but I do think, you know, you and I were talking before the podcast about how technology is going to change things for us, you know, once this crisis has kind of passed us. And one area that I think is going to be huge that we haven't talked about is a huge uptick that I've been seeing in telemedicine services. You know, I never had access to this before. Now my insurance company offers it. My primary care doctor's office sends me an email every two weeks to talk about how they're improving their telemedicine services. I know even my dermatologist sent me an email that that said they will take a look at my rash via tablet or iPhone or, or phone. But, you know, even if you don't have a doctor who offers it, there's a ton of nationwide services who can help. And they are actually offering either free or discounted services during this time. I'm going to post a link of 18 different services that are offering free or discounted visits during the pandemic time. And the other thing I think that's important to think about here is not just telemedicine for medical issues, but listening to a story the other day about all the people who may be in treatment for alcohol, drug, or other addictions. You know, being cut off from therapy or for groups, I think, can be incredibly painful and very damaging to people 
who rely on those groups. I'll put a link in the website. There is a, an, a group, a, a site called Intergroup for AA online meetings. Um, but a lot of AA meetings have moved to Zoom. And I think there are guidelines for setting those up on the Alcohol Anonymous website. But that kind of leads us into the other area, which is mental health. You know, a lot of our friends kind of are reporting some signs of depression and sadness, and there are a number of online therapy tools. You may already be be seeing a therapist. A lot of therapists have moved their practices online to continue treatment, but if you haven't, there are a couple of services that it will help you find a counselor for pretty reasonable prices. For example, there's a, one called Open Path Collective that's thirty to sixty dollars per session. There's one called Better Help that's forty to seventy dollars per week, and there's one that's kind of getting a lot of buzz lately called Talkspace. It's about $65 a week, and actually insurance might cover it. A number of health plans cover it. They're actually moderating some Facebook groups that have more than five or 10,000 members to them. So a lot of interesting things are happening on the, medis- me- the, the medical field, on the therapy field, that I think is going to continue past all of this, and I'm really interested to see where all of this goes. And you could find that your health insurance, uh, especially as we move forward, your employee assistance program might pay for some of that stuff. But yeah, I totally second the uh, the online therapist thing. I, that's I, I think going to be a, a really important development. And I and I do think that uh, with COVID nineteen, we're as a society going to make a trade off that's going to allow, or we're going to accept a lot more medical and health tracking and there you know so there's pluses and minuses of that but but i think that especially there are some things that if it keeps you out of a hospital so you don't have to have certain types of follow-up that you can be tracked that's going to be a a reasonable trade-off so i guess tom i i to me it sort of balances out between a couple of a couple of key things i think so there are the social apps and there are the highly personal apps in tech technologies. I, not surprisingly for people who know me, I, I really prefer the more individual things and I do less on the social side. And I think you with Peloton probably moved just a, a little bit to to the other side. But I think it some of this stuff does come down to you do you and, and you kind of figure out what works best for you. Is it no, I definitely think that it's a you-do-you thing, but I would challenge the notion that, I mean, Peloton, yes, is designed to be we're all together in this. I mean, that's what a Peloton is. It's a group of bikers. Um, so that's what it's designed to mean. But I tend to view that our approach to wellness and 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 keeping sane and safe and whatever it is, is a very personal experience. And how we tend to approach it has to be an individual decision that we make. Now, whether we use other people to help us out with it, that's our own decision to, to make. But I think how we all choose to approach it will be individual. And I think that a lot of these technologies can help with that decision or, or the way that you choose to approach it. Yeah, I was going to say, too, Tom, when you when you have talked about Peloton in the past, uh, one of the things I think has become interesting with the personal trainers, you know, YouTube channels and stuff like that is that you could actually find, you know, like the best trainers for you, like somebody who has an approach that really works for you. And it, I like kettlebells, uh, as people may know. So to find a great kettlebell instructor, you know, online would be great. I mean, I guess where I end up, 
is, you know, to go back to say, like, I think that you don't want to say, oh, tech, I just have to disconnect. But I think you want to, you really want to explore. You want to explore with your eyes open. And you really want to kind of take control of what you're doing and don't feel like the technology is, is in control of you, but that you can start to use technology in ways that really help you. And a, part, a lot of that is the awareness of what's possible, but uh, being willing to to be open and explore. And I think that's as good a place as any to end this segment. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. So many of us are on Zoom, Teams, Skype, BlueJeans, and other video conference calls these days. Uh, even TV news shows have interview guests who are on webcams in remote locations. Even the, even the announcers are in remote locations. So the quality of these calls can, eh, to be charitable, uh, be not so great. One of the most notable issues when you appear on video is actually the lighting, especially bad lighting, like uh, sitting in front of a window with light streaming in and washing you out, or you're in a dark room, or I watched somebody the other night on uh, uh, PBS who looked like he had a, a number of candles in front of him and he was appearing at a seance um, in front of his webcam. So there are actually a number of ways to look better on video. And uh, Tom and I have recently been looking into actual video lighting options to, to make it better because we're always looking for technology solutions if we can find them. So we're not sure we have the answers yet, but we thought we'd share what we are finding and where we are leaning. So Tom, where are you at now? Where I'm at is like completely overwhelmed. There are so many options out there, almost no one completely agrees about what's best. I see different different opinions from website to website, from people who call themselves experts. There's tons of YouTube channels on this, tons of articles. The options to me are overwhelming, so I'm not sure really where I want to go. The, the one thing that I'm absolutely sure of is that the office where my computer is located, where you and I are recording this podcast right now, where I'm sorry, where I'm recording it, the lighting is horrible, and I have I switched my desk orientation. Before today, I was facing, uh, I was my back was to the window, so whenever I was on video, you were getting a lot of glare. It looked very bright light, even when it was raining outside. It's convenient to my office, but it's not for video meetings. Um, the glare was just not good. I would say that switching has been better, but it's not perfect because the lighting above is not very good. I, during the day, the natural lighting is not bad, but but again, not perfect. I think that natural light is going to be the best way to light you. So do your best to get enough natural light on you, and then you don't have to worry about whether you use any other artificial lighting. 
the other thing that I think that I've learned from reading all these things is that balancing the lights is going to be important. They mentioned having multiple lights set up at different locations. Some say 10 and 2. Some will say 10, 12 and 2. Some will say have a light directly above you, have lights above but not directly above you because that could throw your face into shadow. Well, I'm sitting here in my office. The light is not directly above me. When we turned, when I turned it on, all you could see were the shadows from my glasses. So that's an art too. I think making sure the light source is not too bright is important because that's going to wash out your face. What I've learned from what I've read is that LED lighting or box lighting are going to be the best options. And Dennis, you may have more to say on that. There's so many choices you have right now. I was initially looking because I'd read a lot initially that ring lights were, were the way to go. But now I'm convinced that ring lights are absolutely not the way to go. And a ring light, for those of you who don't know, um, is just really a ring of light. And it's designed to kind of sit behind your behind your computer and 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 point some directed light at you a lot of a lot of instagrammers a lot of youtubers have little tiny ring lights that they attach to their phones when they do videos the problem is is that you can actually see the ring in their eyes as it's as as they're as they're talking the ring light is designed really to be a supplementary light i think it may be good for beauty videos makeup videos but most of the advice I see is pointing to LED or box lighting. I I talked a whole lot more than I expected to on it, Dennis. Tell me where you are with this because I'm still kind of finding my way. Well, that's because we're we're still kind of struggling with where we go. So what I've done is I I try to do if I'm during the day I have a window open or you know the curtains open and then I have a desk light that's an odd light so which gives you the equivalent of of natural light and then I have another light so that's on one side of me and I have another light on the other side so it's not ideal but it it seems to to work okay. So what I've learned is, because uh, I played, I looked into ring lights and I wasn't totally convinced, but then when I read that ring lights are an utter disaster if you're wearing glasses, I totally got that. So I scratched those off my list. I sort of understand now that you always want the lights in front of you and not lights behind you. And this 10 and 2 notion is really important, especially, again, if you wear glasses, because otherwise that helps alleviate the reflections off your, your glasses. So the eye light was interesting to me. The ring lights I ruled out. I'm kind of interested in these little tripod lights from a company called, I don't, I, you know, I'm going to guess how to pronounce it. I would pronounce it as Neewer or Neever. So N-E-E-W-E-R. They're sort of expensive photography lights, but I found some that are desktop that are like $52 and you'd put one on each side of your monitor at the 10 and 2. That's probably what I'm likely to, to try next. But I, I'm kind of coming around to this thing of that as you do this research yourself, that probably your best move is to talk to, if you, if you know a photographer or can find a photographer who would talk to you, just like ask them for advice because they probably have a lot of uh, great solutions. The only trouble is that the photographer probably has some really great expensive solutions. So you always got to watch your budget these days. So uh, that's where I'm I'm at on those. So now it's time for our parting shots at one tip website or observation. You can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. So two self-promotional 
parting shots from me this time. Um, I've relaunched my blog. It's been four years. I can't believe that I thought I was burned out, but I, it turns out that I was ready to write again. I'm excited about it. I've relaunched now part of the Lex Blog Network. Happy to be there. It used to be, for those of you who read the blog before, it was called Inter Alia. Now it's just my name. It's just Tom Mile, but it's still at inter-alia.net. So please go take a look and subscribe if you're interested. But I wasn't satisfied just with the blog and because I read a lot of stories every week. There's a lot of headlines that still interest me that I don't post on the blog. So I've created a newsletter. I'm calling it The Extra Mile. Get it? It's the extra stuff that I talk about. And you can get to it at tommile.substack.com. I'll put the link to the newsletter in the show notes. I would appreciate you subscribing to it if it interests you. Dennis. So I know in these times, a lot of people for, are looking for light, fun, entertaining things. And sometimes I just got to go the other direction completely. So if, if you want to start thinking seriously about the future and in deep ways, I, got, I have two things for you. So one that I'm fascinated by is Deloitte has put out uh, using, involving some of the leading scenario planners in the world, there are four COVID-19 scenarios. And it's pretty easy to find, but we'll put the, the the link in the in the show notes. But it gives you four potential ways that the the uh, pandemic could play out, and the the and sort of the signs you would expect to see that we're moving down one of these paths. So, really gives you a lot to think about. And then, if you want to think really long term, I love the the Long Now Foundation, and they've put up. Uh, their seminars, uh, they do regular seminars with some really interesting thinkers in science and other areas. And they've made their podcasts and video casts available at longnow.org slash seminars. So I find that uh, if you just want to take some time and, and think deeply for a change, uh, good place to go. And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for this podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site where you can find archives of all of our previous podcasts along with transcripts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can always find us on LinkedIn or leave us a voicemail. We're at 720-441-6820. Come on, you're all shut in at home right now. It's time to send us a voicemail for our B segment. And so until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.